What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. to another edition of Cavs the Blog Podcast. We received a lot of flack, Coles, that our first podcast, our first inaugural Sunday night podcast happened after a losing streak. And now we have our second straight podcast directly after a win. So it's going to be nothing but sunshine and rainbows and moons over my hammy for everyone. Um <laughs> We are honored to be joined by Corey. Is it is it Huey or is it is it like a silent you, H? Is it like no? Huey? You you got it. Yeah, okay. everyone always wants to say Hughley or whatever. Hughley. But yeah, so if, yeah, um, it's Huey. So if one of the Cavs play by play guys, specifically uh, Michael Regai, was was talking about you, you'd be Corey Huey. Huey. Like Larry Hughes. Yeah, if I was born in the 50s, there would have been a lot of baby Huey jokes, but not, not, not that applicable <laughs> yeah, now. Fortunately not. So if you could be born in any decade, which would you have chosen? Oh, God. I don't, the world's always been a terrible place, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I think it had been pretty cool to be alive in Ohio right around the turn of the century when you had the Wright brothers right here in Dayton, you had... Um, you know, electricity coming into its own. Depends um, on like where you're at in the pecking order, because you'd have been like just like one of Rockefeller's like slaves. Like, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, before like unions and stuff, you were. Yeah, like you just you know you live on his you know you shop at the Rockefeller shop and. Yeah. Well, we'll save that one for another time. Maybe a different All website. Right. <laughs> but uh, the Cav- the Cavaliers just. Um, knocked off the Philadelphia 76ers for the fourth time this season. Um, and it feels like every single one of these games, the 76ers have just 
put up a lot of fight. Like every time I watch them, I think, how can this team be this bad? Because they seem so scrappy against the Cavs. And Okafor seems like a legitimate offensive weapon. Um, so I'm not surprised the Cavs are 4-0 against them, but I guess I'm a little surprised that they've had to work so hard for it. Tonight felt like that again. In the first half, actually, Philly closed on a little mini run, and um, you know the, the game was, was in the balance until, I don't know, maybe early fourth quarter, LeBron started to just take over, and then they coasted to victory. But what do you think it is about um, the 76ers that, I don't want to say give the Cavs trouble, but just sort of they're making all these games competitive. Well, I mean, what's your take, David? Uh, dude, the Cavs end up playing down to them every time because they see the Sixers, like, they're always trying to run the ball, and then the Cavs are like, well, we might as well run the ball too. And it's kind of like them reverting to their uh, like their youth, sort of. Like, every play's got to be a touchdown, basically, for them. So it's kind of like this relax, like they just want to get a highlight play the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Because, I mean, it basically it seems like if the Cavs want to lock it down, they can, but they don't really do it until the fourth. Yeah, there was some cherry picking going on, and LeBron was yeah. definitely uh, he was definitely cheating. Uh-oh, I hear a microphone. Is that the one and only Mallory Factor the second? Yes, this is the one and only Mallory Factor oh, the man. second. Oh, man. How you doing, man? Uh, I am doing well. Sorry, uh, I, I had a little bit of a, a beer malfunction. I opened a Rheingeist beer, and it exploded all over my apartment. Well, that's, so the, best, said, that's the best kind of malfunction to have, right? I guess a beer malfunction. I mean, I still get to reap the benefits of enjoying the beer, but now I have to reap the benefits of a sticky floor for the next like week and a half. <laughs> well, there's worse, it's like... there's worse sticky <laughs> things to get on your floor, so... Uh, <laughs> you know, like side note. I knew, I knew you'd like that, Corey. <laughs> I, feel I feel like it's almost impossible to clean up spilled beer properly. I just—is there any efficient way of like getting rid of? I mean, Corey, maybe you can give us some insight here. Come on, you've you've like you know been to around what? to get rid of to, beer. Yeah, come on. How do I clean my floors when there's beer everywhere? Pine saw, bro, cleans everything. Ah, oh, there you <laughs> go. Seriously, like put it in your put it in your laundry. It'll it'll make the whites whiter. All right, Speaking I love the that, sound of that. What was with Jeff Van Gundy's little rabbit hole into whether or not he would eat spilled popcorn? I heard about that, but I didn't hear him talking about that. Was that just classic JVG, or did something happen at the game? Did a player eat popcorn that a fan spilled, or like what? What was that about? Uh, Kevin Love knocked over popcorn. That was it. The Google. I think that's I think that's what happened. Google okay. saying that. So basically, Jeff Van Gundy is the best there is at creating something out of nothing in a game. <laughs> Which I like. I, I mean, like Jeff Van Gundy. I will forever put Jeff Van Gundy in my top five, just because of how he described what should happen to um, to Billy Walker after after Wally Zerbiak rejected Billy Walker in transition. Do you guys remember that? Was it ago? Bill Walker or Billy Walker? Yeah, Bill Walker. Skywalk, the, yeah. yeah, the Kansas State guy. Yeah, the Went Cavs. To school with OJ Mayo. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Cavs were um, former Nick, former New York Nick. I believe he was on the Celtics at the time, or was he on the Knicks at the time? I feel like he was on the Knicks for a long time. Whatever happened to that guy? He he tore out he blew out his knees and he was an athleticism guy that 
Um, yeah, he was like uh, the game otherwise. When a lot of car wash. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, so my recorder is gonna prompt me if I want to keep recording every like minute. Um, because I didn't buy Tom, this. Is, okay. This is yeah. This is why I was like, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll deal. We'll deal with it. So anyway, so Bill Walker gets rejected by Wally Zerbiak. The Cavs bench goes absolutely crazy. It's one of the funniest YouTube videos you can find of player reaction. And Bill Walker basically says that, um, or Jeff Van Gundy basically says that Bill Walker should just be ejected from the game because he was rejected by Wally Zerbiak, who at this point you couldn't fit a phone booth or a phone book underneath Wally Zerbiak's legs anytime he tried to jump. So Jeff Van Gundy will always be... Uh, have a soft place in my heart for that commentary, but Mallory. I feel, I feel like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Where first of all, where are you at? Where are we? What are we talking about, guys? How's everyone doing? It's been a while. We're good. We're talking about how the Cavs disposed of the Seventy Sixers tonight, and David was talking about how they kind of played down to their competition. So, oh, Corey, so. Corey, here's a question for you. Okay, was, was tonight the most uh, LeBron 1.0 esque game? you have seen from the Cavs this year where LeBron, yeah, had- Le- LeBron goes off for 37 on an insane 15 of 22 shooting where I think like five of those shots were heat checks that might not have gone in and the rest of the amazing. Cavs yeah, the didn't, didn't A bunch do of much. Three-pointers. It was amazing. He had, he had like some spring to his step, you know, like uh, dialed it back a little bit. Well, he had nine dimes and only two turnovers. Um, Kevin Love actually had seven assists, so the offense was going through LeBron and Love tonight. Kyrie only had um, two times, and and Delhi only had one. So, you know, the offense was clearly going through LeBron and Love. J.R. Smith took 12 threes, which I thought was about eight threes too many. And um, the Cavs were uh, pretty bad from outside, especially in the first half. But, man, it was just like – they kind of hung around, hung around, hung around, and then LeBron just completely went off in the fourth quarter. It, it basically was a picture-perfect reminiscence of, you know, 2009 when, you know, yeah, Mo Williams would kick in 14 to 15 points and no one else would score much, and LeBron would just go crazy, and they'd he'd score over a third of their points. And I haven't really seen that much the last two seasons. Yeah, the uh, I mean, you know, there's like that part of me that's like torn that Miami might have gotten his actual apex, but tonight, tonight felt like uh, first turn around LeBron. You know, just so much spring on his dunks. Him in love with the touchdown passes. Yeah, I still, I still think 2009 was his apex. I think, I think Miami got him um, at what, when he was still almost at that level, but not quite. But they just had a lot more talented roster around him. So his shooting percentages shot way up and everything else. But, uh, but you, well, you just, here's the question. Would you prefer to have LeBron with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love able to score off of, like, you know, passes when people are still respecting LeBron? Or would you rather have LeBron doing everything? Why, well, both. I'd rather have 2009 LeBron on this team. How's that? Okay, but you you can't you can't. That's the thing. You can't have two thousand nine LeBron on this team. Don't you feel like the the current incarnation of LeBron suits the construction of this team perfectly? If I mean, his outside LeBron. shots falling, 
he was cutting off the ball a lot tonight. Like it was, it was still like old school LeBron taking over, but he had probably like eight points off cuts to the basket. Right. I mean, well, and that's the thing; those cuts to the basket aren't there if there aren't an insane number of three point shooters on this team. I mean, now hopefully we see J.R. Smith coming back to his old self too. I didn't see the end of the game on Friday, but did you guys talk at all about that game? Because I heard Jr. was nuts in like what twenty yeah, minutes, right? He was insane. He was yeah. insane. yeah. <clears throat> he, he had twenty five, uh, what like ten shots or something like that. Yeah, he was like ten of eleven from the field or something. That's insane. Yeah, I I caught the beginning and the Wolves looked pretty decent at the beginning of the game, and then I I went to actually side note. So you know how Snapchat? I don't know if you guys use Snapchat. Does these like little stories for every city? I went to a concert at Brooklyn Bowl on Friday and submitted a video of one of the bands playing. And, like, Snapchat used my store, my video for the New York story. And I had 45,000 people look at this video, which is kind of nuts. Um, but so I, before that, I, I watched the game. And, I, I mean, honestly, the Wolves look good. They look like they could play. But is, is that just a, another one of those instances of the Cavs playing down to competition? No, I think the Wolves have a lot of talent. But um, why am I getting feedback? Who's 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 not using headphones? I'm using headphones. I got headphones. I got headphones. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't hear any feedback. But anyway, I'm hearing myself twice. Hearing. But um, uh, yeah, I think the wolves yeah, are. They've got some talent. They need more shooting. That's for sure. The Cavs. But do you think that was the Cavs just playing down to their competition again? And if that's the case. Is it just them looking ahead to the playoffs and that's it? Like, they no, know I that think, no one's going to... No, I, I think the Cavs are operating at, like, 60% right now. <laughs> that's not good. Are you Are you guys? I mean, doing, are you hearing me or am I really choppy? You're perfect. Okay. I just have to get over the fact that I'm hearing myself on, like, an echo and it's hard to talk. So, um, yeah, like, in that game, the Cavs... I don't know if it was that game or the game before, the Cavs hardly had any assists. They were just winning with, you know, isolation ball. Um, I like what David Blatt's been doing, staggering Kyrie Irving. He's he's not doing a ton of lineups where um, LeBron, Love, and Irving are all in together. He's kind of letting Irving be the guy when he's in there. Um, he, he played a couple, like, four-guard sets where we had um, – Kyrie, Deli, Jr., and Shumpert playing, so basically four backcourt players at once. I just think from now until the end of the season, the Cavs' objective is going to be to get all these guys operating comfortably and to figure out the best way and the most efficient way to run an offense with all these high-usage players. And I think they're going to be up to the task. I think the only thing is Kyrie Irving is a special talent but um, I know Ben talked about this in one of his um, in one of his recaps. He he gets himself in rhythm with fancy dribbling, and so in the pick and roll, it's it's always very difficult for the defender to figure out what Kyrie's going to do. But in turn, the Cavs don't always know what he's going to do. In fact, I'd argue Kyrie doesn't really know what he's going to do. Um, so unlike a guy like Delhi, who is a very north to south player, where it's like we everyone in the building knows exactly what he's going to do. Now you're going to just right. try to stop him. It's harder for guys around Kyrie to know. Okay, is this where I cut to the basket? Is this where I flare out? Is this where I fill in a spot behind him? So a lot of times you see guys just kind of standing around, 
you know, figuring, well, let's see what he does. Um, and LeBron can be guilty of that a little bit as well. So I think the key is just going to be these guys to spend some court time together and, and figure out how to get the most out of the sum of their parts. I mean, what, what do you think, Corey? Well, I mean, I'm not that worried about it. They're on pace for, like, 61 wins. They they thrashed Minnesota by 26. Like, tonight was one of those games where they played they played poorly and they, you know, LeBron just took over and they, they won by double digits. Like, just, you know, guys playing together, getting used, you know, just reacclimated to one another. You know, it's like it's like uh, like when you, you, like, date a girl for the second time. Like, you already know everything about it. <laughs> you, you you know you know you already know how screwed up her family is you already know like her baggage so you know it's they just have to get used to one another again yeah so, so here's what, my so what's the cat what's the Cavs baggage then using that uh, analogy well this year i don't think there's that much like last year you know at this time we were in like a really bad place like last year at this time they were in the middle of that like what the 12 game losing streak or they were they just coming out of it yeah, they didn't lose twelve straight, but they had lost like nine and ten or something. Yeah, no, yeah. They, like they last year was like LeBron was you know doing his whole, you know, do as I say, not as I do. These kids got to learn this and that, but I'm not going to play defense. Like he's he's been. This is LeBron I like. I'm okay. Like this version of LeBron is my favorite since like '08 because even '09 was a little weird. Interesting. What do you guys think I, I about like the Mozgov relegation to the bench and Tristan starting now? Is this a permanent feature of this team from here on out? Well, yes. as long as they keep winning. I mean, they were getting off to such poor starts, and right. I mean, do you blame Mozgov for that? Yeah, because yes. his hands, he's you know, he's he's turning the ball over. It's leading to runouts the other way, and then I've never seen a guy do get you know do that rule of verticality thing as much as him. And you think like, Oh man, that's great. We got like a rim protector, but then he's unable to secure the ball. So it's like, right. Okay. So They'll you block, the, guy, you block the guy's shot and then they just grabbed it and put it back in. Like it wasn't really, right. it wasn't really effective in the grand scheme of the possession. Um, Actually, all it does is causes chaos because everyone scrambles around the court for like a uh, 20 second, not 20, but let's say six seconds trying to figure out how they're going to reset the play. Then the Cavs look like they're a mess basically. Um, but I have another question for you with regards to that. Do you buy Tom, the idea that they're going to trade Mozgov? Uh, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, no, because he's going to be a free agent next year. So is a team going to want to like rent a Mozgov? I don't, I don't see who would want that. Right. Also, the fact that they don't really play Verizal much, um, if you take that into consideration, they don't have faith in him, which I don't really understand that. So you're not going to try to grind through the season with basically Tristan Thompson as your only big man. I mean, there's going to be nights where you ha- you need someone to bang in the post. Like, there's going to be that other game against the Grizzlies, and it's like you're not going to stick Tristan Thompson on an island with Mark Gasol. You know, right. I mean, the Cavs in 2009 learned a very valuable lesson. If you don't have a legit big that can defend in single coverage another legit big, there are certain matchups that you are destined to lose. And so, well, okay, so what's one matchup to you, David? I'll ask you this. Sorry, Tom. I know I'm taking over your your duties, but I just I'm curious about this. What's one matchup where Mozgov is necessary in the East? Finals are a different game. 
I don't even know, honestly. Like, I don't think there's... No, Hassan, like, Hassan Whiteside can post up, but he's, like, way too fast for Moskov to cover. I think think Whiteside is a guy you want to put a body on. I mean, you want to body him, but he's going to just jump over Moskov. So you're going to leave TT on him, like, for the whole game? I think TT would do a better job than Moskov at this point. Hmm. Because they're going to tire each other out. Like, TT's going to go for all the offensive boards, and Whiteside's going to have to battle him. Yeah. The only reason I ask this is I'm in this, um, like, like uh, text message chain with a bunch of my cousins who are in their 40s and 50s and their friends, and um, all these guys do is, like, trash on Mozgov. And, you know, there's this, this common thread that I see among Cavs fans that just really don't like him. And my thinking is, well, first of all, if you trade him, who are you trading him for? But second of all, why would you need him if you don't trade him? So, I mean, I'm not for or against Moskov, but, you know, playing devil's advocate, who do you really need him for? I mean, Andre Drummond is enormous, and he's got a – he's starting to get a post game. You don't want – you wouldn't want a first-round matchup against, like, the Pistons to go south because a guy like Drummond can just dictate everything in the half court. Um, I could respect the Drummond argument, actually. That's probably the most convincing. I mean, he, he got he got kind of owned by uh, Vucevic, whoever the guy yeah, is. Yeah, I was Atlanta. actually thinking Vucevic from the Magic. He didn't play really well against him in this last game, but in the game before, that was like Moskov's best game of the season. He just completely went off. Um, but, I mean, you got, you got – I guess it doesn't really help you that much against Atlanta. Like, TT really dominated – um, in that Atlanta series, so clearly, but I mean, if you remember last year, no one remembers this because the Cavs lost the game. But Mozgov had an insane game against the Warriors. What was it like game four or something? It was a podium game. You should have the podium. Yeah, I mean, there's big men out in the West that you could face in the finals. You know, you had and you went it up against uh, DeAndre Jordan or something like that. The thing that's good. Go ahead. The thing that scares me with Moskov is he's not a smart defender against guys that have good post moves. Like, anyone that does... He gets okey-doke like, a little too much? Yeah, like, anyone that has a good up-and-under move or, like, a nice fake, like, Moskov bites on it, and then he's up in the air and they're scoring. Yeah. Speaking of that, I am blown away by how good Kevin Love's footwork is in the post, because... Every single God, guy, so good. every single guy he goes up against, he's overmatched physically, and he barely jumps, and he finds so many creative ways to either finish or get to the line. Not only that, he like if he doesn't finish or get to the line, there are so many opportunities for him to pass out of the post with like a clear shot to someone because someone buys into one of his post moves. Honestly, Kevin Love is one of the most inventive non-athletic NBA players out there at this point. Is someone, so carving, is someone carving their name into a desk right now? I was thinking nine. whittling. Yeah, someone's making like a walking <laughs> stick. David, what are you doing over there? I, it wasn't me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sitting on my couch right now. Um, but wait, wait. So for speaking of Kevin Love, though, honestly, he's so inventive for someone who is not athletic at all. Like he really matches up well against most players. He's he's got good ball handling. I mean, his you know touchdown pass. Obviously, he had that one huge one where he like dished it out to LeBron all the way down the court, and LeBron kind of went up and got fouled. 
um, tonight. But really, honestly, Tom, you're right about that. Kevin Love has looked so good this season in terms of his footwork. Why didn't we see any of that last year? Well, I mean, a lot of people blame the Cavs for not getting it to him at his spots, but I, I watched way too many games where Kevin Love, instead of sealing in the post on like a fast break or something where there was a favorable, he could have had favorable positioning, he just decided to flare out to the three-point line. He was making yeah, the he choice. So he was making the choice that he was more comfortable being a spot three-point shooter. So I think I think both the Cavs have made a concerted effort and I mean, especially earlier in the season, I felt like the guy would go three or four possessions in a row where he would just try to seal his man on the block, and it was just a thing of beauty. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, even though his numbers don't look drastically better than they did last year, that you could still argue they're a bit down from you know his heyday in Minnesota. I, I do feel like he's a very important part of this team, and. Um, I think he's going to get better as he gets more comfortable with these guys. So let, let, let's talk more about tonight's game. So today um, was the uh, – well, something you noticed in the game um, that is worth talking about on this podcast. David, go. Uh, dude, Kyrie's getting better at defense finally. Really? Like, and what makes you say yeah. that? So, our, I think it was the very first possession or, like, the second possession. He got beat by his guy, and he kind of did the typical Kyrie, like, oh, I'm going to watch my guy, like, kind of go to the hoop. And his guy penetrated, and there was one of the Sixers bigs, I think it might have been uh, Ogafor, kind of going to the hoop, and Kyrie actually ran and bumped him out of his spot. Nice. And, like, pre- prevented points from happening. But Kyrie's been doing that a lot more. Like, he's getting smarter. Like, if his guy beats him, like, he'll let our, our big kind of defend whoever, like, defend the point that's getting to the hoop, and then he actually kind of irritates the other big guy on the opponent's team, well, which I noticed, is awesome to see. Yeah, I noticed a play that um, Ben, I think, brought up in his recap where, um, you know, the Cavs were doing a great job against the Wizards on a, on a particular possession, um, and in the end, Kyrie intercepted. He anticipated a kick out. Um, and recovered and actually intercepted the ball. So, um, yeah, that that was a really nice thing to see. Um, let me find that one. Mm, oh, here we go. Yeah, this was it. After Del, this is I'm reading right from Ben's recap of the Wizards game. After Delvadova checked in to give Smith a blow, my favorite sequence of the quarter pushed the lead to double digits. The Wiz tried to get the ball to John Wall against Delhi in the post but Matthew was having none of it. Gary Neal skipped past the rock from the left wing to the right corner to what looked like an open man. Instead, Shump closed out, forcing the guy to go baseline. Kevin Love crashed down to supply help, leaving Gortat alone. Nope. Kyrie rotated right down on Gortat to grab the steal. The ball was whipped around on the offensive end before Shump drilled the wide open three. And I, I did remember seeing that in real time and thinking that was a really good defensive instincts from Kyrie who early in his career, honestly, was one of the worst defensive players I ever saw. So I'm really glad that now two Cavs the Bloggers, um, you and Ben, both feel like he's really improved at that end. Um, What what do you think, Corey? What's your scouting report on Kyrie's D? I mean, he kind of brought it in. You know, he started tuning it up a little bit last season at the end, and then there was game one of the finals where, you know, he legitimately played good defense. 
Yeah, that's um, right. He did play pretty good D on. He, he, he had played. That, he had that crazy great block defense. at the end. Didn't yeah. He? Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was. I mean, it's one of those, it's like, he's, he's, I don't think he's like supremely athletic for point guard, but he has decent size, you know, he's strong and it's just about effort. Maybe it's just, you know, he's, he's playing with a team that actually matters where there are expectations where, you know, like the Sixers are, I mean, it's a worse example of, you know, where the Cavs were in rebuilding and tanking and everything, but you know, guys learn bad habits. They look around, they, you know, the young kids see, oh, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You know, it's like probably the same reason the Browns locker room's a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you learn from who's around you and what's expected of you. Yeah. And, and when you're learning. he's, yeah. And you're engaged and it's like, he can like, there. how many, how many like superior defenders are there at the point guard position in the league? Like five, maybe like most of them aren't great defenders. I think of like Kyle Lowry. Um, I don't know. Bradley, Avery Bradley, uh, Beverly, oh, uh, Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Chris three, Paul. Chris Paul's pretty good. Right. When he feels like it, like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's not a defensive position. Like if he could just be like average, then he'll 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 win the matchup just based on what he can do on the offensive end. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, uh, Mallory, what have you seen in Kyrie's growth as we we followed this guy's career from day one? Um, you know, honestly, I just think he's a better decision maker than he was. Uh, you know, three or four years ago. <laughs> Yeah, there's some serious gulping going on here. Um, like to to be totally honest, I haven't I haven't watched the the like last let's say three games that Kyrie's been back all that deeply. I've been busy, but um, you know, even uh, like uh, last year and and in what I watched tonight and and the past couple of games when I was watching. He moves a lot more off the ball, which is something that he never did in the past ever. Like, I can't remember a single game in his first three years where he m- moved at all. <laughs> no, 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 Tom, do, do you remember, like, watching those games when we used to have these podcasts back in, like, 2011? Yeah. What? Well, I remember what three he was things. Like, I remember three things that bothered me about Kyrie's game back then, and I would say only one of them still exists. The thing that bothered me the most was I... I Never saw a guy stick to a pick uh, worse than Kyrie Irving. I, I used to call it flypaper screens right, because that. someone would screen him, <laughs> and it was just like he was out for like the next eight seconds. It was like he had to respawn. <laughs> like there, he, 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 he and he never, he never like decided. Okay, this guy can't shoot. I'll go under the pick, or this guy's a great shooter, so I'll go over the pick. It was just like everyone set a picture perfect screen on Kyrie. To the point where he would just get stuck, like, and he would just stand there and not move. Um, that I don't really see that anymore. He anticipates screens better. He fights through them more. The other thing he used to do, which would drive me crazy, is he would get trapped in the corner so often. Oh and, my! But they the Cavs still have problems doing that. To be well, honest. it used to be really be, bad because he would yeah. get trapped there, and he's not LeBron where. He can get trapped in the corner and jump pass over the D, and he would try that, and it usually ended. Oh, in oh I see what you're saying, Trap. A disaster. I thought you meant like he would literally just end up w- waiting for a corner three, but yeah, he did get trapped. No, like, so literally, he would, he would dribble into the corner and get the stuck. corner, and then get trapped there yeah. by the D. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't see okay. that very much anymore. The only thing I kind of already alluded to it is I feel like he's he's a little bit difficult to play with on the pick and roll. Big guys don't really know what to do. 
which side he wants to pick. Um, uh, you know, and I think that's the kind of thing I think, like Corey said, they'll get more comfortable with each other and that'll come with time. So not Kyrie's best night offensively. It was three of 15 tonight. Um, one of six from three. Um, you know, he's one of those guys where when he's missing the three that he takes from six feet behind the line, you think like, ah, that wasn't a good shot, but he makes it enough that you almost right. got, you almost got to live with nights like this. Similarly, J.R. Smith was a very um, Hughesian five of 18 tonight, or Hughesian, I guess, if you want to uh, pull a red guy, five of 18 tonight. But um, uh, let's talk about J.R. Smith a little bit, because I feel I, mean, like, I already alluded to that. <laughs> I feel like the J.R. Smith love is sort of at an all-time high on Cavs' blog, which, I mean, that's fine. I'm all for positivity, but I feel like maybe we're – overrating slightly his overall contributions and focusing on what it is he does very well. And I feel like like a game like tonight will just be like, oh, he went 5 of 18, like no biggie. But, you know, the last three games he was just completely NBA jam engulfed in flames, and that's like what we'll remember. So in three weeks we'll remember that, oh, yeah, J.R. Smith's that guy that just goes crazy. Um, what would I mean, I guess we all know what he is offensively, but defensively, <laughs> I want to find a contrarian opinion here that he's not that effective of a defense. He makes the player. dumbest fouls I've ever seen in my life on a regular basis. So, I mean, he could start and end with that. He'll be playing great D and then suddenly he'll foul like a big man from like the three point line. And it'll make no sense. Just he's, stupid stuff like that. I, I can't, I, I can't remember a lot of fouls on three pointers with JR. Well, no, I'm just saying, not like a big man shooting a three, but he'll make some inane foul where someone's not in a position to even score, and he'll just do it because he gets frustrated. All right, David, get... you were, you were going to say something. You lit up on my on my window. JR has, like, the worst reputation in the league. Like, if he had LeBron's reputation, we would be saying he's, a, like, a above-average to very good defender. Like, he, he gets away with nothing. It's insane. Like, he has the worst luck of any defender in the league. But think of all the dumb fouls that he makes. (laughs) He does. He makes dumb fouls, but are you telling me LeBron's not? LeBron does some pretty dumb stuff on the defense that he gets away with. All right, Corey, deciding vote. I kind of agree. Jared gets, like, never gets the benefit of the doubt. He's, like, if if there's just a a scenario in question, he's going to get, you know, they'll, they'll make a call on him. Yeah. Well, I, I do agree with that, that his reputation precedes him, but I also feel like you, you can try hard on defense and not be that effective. And a lot of times I feel like Jer <laughs> flies around and uh, he dies for loose balls all the time, and he does things, and we and I think our, our idea of defense is it's just an effort. Like, if you're putting in the effort, you must be a good defensive player. And so we look at him and think that, oh, he's really improved his defense. And the numbers don't bear that out, that the Cavs are better. They actually are significantly worse when he's on the court defensively. So I feel like JR is a very important player, and I'm glad we have him, and I think he'll decide a playoff game on his own like he did last year against the Bulls. But, um, but I do He can think- also lose you playoff games by shooting too much and making – what was that foul? There were like two fouls in a row in a playoff game last year that were just – the most insanely stupid fouls I've ever seen in my entire life. It might have been, been the Bulls series where he pulled it at the end and it 
kind yeah, of came the, up in the air. Yeah, and just stuff like that. He's done it a lot this season. Against the Knicks, I remember right around Christmas, he did it twice in that same game, too. And it's moments like that that just make J.R. Smith frustrating. If he doesn't make that stupid, dumb foul, the game doesn't come up into question. And you don't necessarily need that in close games, right? Well, the hope is that he doesn't have any pressure on him anymore. His contract situation <laughs> is secure for the time being. Um, um, and he doesn't have – I mean, he can have a night like tonight where he goes 5 of 18 – and no one cares, right? He didn't shoot the Cavs out of the game. They won by 10. So I think he's in about the best situation he can ever find himself in. And so I think, well, I hope that he can keep his emotions in check because um, he's not, he doesn't need to be the guy. He doesn't really even need to be like one of the top four guys. I mean, the Cavs are so deep right now. Um, so that leads me to my next thing. Iman Shumpert, we know what he can do on offense. Um, what about, I'm sorry, on defense, what about this mid-range crossover dribble pull-up stuff that worked really well last game and really didn't work at all tonight? What's your take? Where, should, should Iman um, pull, back, pull back a little bit and, and stick to what he does well, or would you like to see him try to be more dynamic offensively. All right, I'll go. Uh, he needs to stick to cutting to the rim and trying to dunk the ball and taking open threes. And that's it. Like, he could be what we wanted Alonzo B to be. Yeah. And that's about it. I mean, he's he's a great defender, though. Three and D. That's. I mean, isn't isn't that exactly? I God, what was I was reading some ESPN article the other day where they were talking about three and D guys, and they m- mentioned Amon Shumpert in the oh, was in whether or not the Thunder should make a trade for a three and D guy. Um, and it's funny because I never thought of Shumpert as a, a true three and D player, but that's basically what he's becoming now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the role he should be relegated to, a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, he seems like a kind of guy where he's pretty accurate when his feet are set. He's squared. He's not like he doesn't have momentum carrying him in either direction. And I mean, he's shooting forty percent this year on threes, so that's a career high. Uh, well, actually, he he did that a couple years ago as well, but it's basically tied for a career high. And um, I think I think he's going to be critical because whether the Cavs. You know, whoever they play in the conference finals and the finals, perimeter defense is going to be paramount. And I think he's one of the better perimeter defenders in the whole league. Speaking of that, I got into a bit of an argument tonight on Twitter over LeBron's D. And so I want this. I want to have this argument here in, uh, you know, on my terms. On a, on a I want to have home court advantage, if you will. <laughs> so I saw a sequence tonight in the first half where. Um, it was a couple possessions in a row where LeBron, you know, got down real low in the defensive stance, spread his arms out real wide, uh, forced his defender to dribble it off his foot on the first possession, and then he had sort of a mini chase down block on the next possession, and he just looked as engaged as I've ever seen him, and um, yeah, it just looked like anyone that tried to score on him in that situation was going to be denied, and so I tweeted. 
because it, it, it was such a departure from what we normally see from LeBron. I tweeted that LeBron just something to the effect of LeBron just reminded me that, you know, when he's engaged, um, he might be one of the best in the league, which I didn't think was that going to be that controversial yeah, of a statement. That's definitely not a controversial statement. Oh, I it was extremely controversial. Like, to the point where I immediately, when someone challenged it, um, brought up the fact that he's leading the NBA right now on defensive field goal differential. Uh, Opponents are shooting 12 percentage points worse when LeBron's guarding them. So, not that I think that stat is the be-all, end-all, but it's sort of like, okay, now I've sort of established a burden of proof that if you're going to take my sort of fuzzy argument, which is, hey, when he's actually trying, which I can't quantify how often that happens, he could be, you know, the best on D. I feel like that's enough sort of disclaimers that it's sort of like saying, you know, when people used to say, oh, Deion Waiters can go off for 30 any night. It's like, well, he almost never did, ever. But I guess you can still say that because he has before and he could. So, you know, it wasn't some kind of Loctite argument. And so I immediately kind of, countered when I was challenged because I was challenged with like uh, bro you're crazy you know and I sort of challenged it with okay well the stats show that he's been pretty darn good to which people poo-pooed the stats and so then I was kind of like but the point is they were so aggravated with (laughs) Tom is like very very offended by this entire well it's just it was it was interesting to me that they couldn't see past the fact that LeBron doesn't give it all effort all the time, especially on the defensive end, which I don't dispute. I mean, none of us dispute that. I mean, LeBron doesn't dispute that. He called it chill mode last year, right? Um, John Crump wrote a nice piece about we need some middle ground between crazy all-out LeBron and chill mode LeBron. And I I agreed then, I agree now. But um, it's interesting to me that people are so upset that LeBron takes off plays that sometimes he just kind of walks down the court the other way and doesn't care what happens on the shot. And there's some vine that goes around the internet and everyone freaks out that they're so upset by this that they feel like he can't turn it on when he wants to. And I just feel like, isn't that exactly what we just saw last year? We saw LeBron in chill mode for half the season until he wasn't. And then we saw playoff LeBron, whose usage went from, like, 30 to, like, 40, and the Cavs were the best defensive team in the league, and LeBron was very close to winning finals MVP despite being on the losing team. Didn't we learn last year that he has, like, three more gears he can tap into? Go ahead. Uh, The thing that's great about LeBron is his lazy defense is still better than half the league's regular defense. (laughs) <laughs> like, because he like guys are gonna blow by him, but he's gonna intercept like two or three passes a game that just lead to easy buckets. And I'm fine. Like, I'm fine with that. If he wants to chill and just play passing lanes for half the game, that's cool. Because it ends up being as effective as if he's just playing crazy locked in D for five minutes in the end of the games. Well, and I just especially think, during, during I just think season. LeBron's at the point of his career where. There's one of two options. He can either go the Spurs, the Spurs route where he plays less than 30 minutes a game and we, you know, we have LeBron until he's 38 instead of 35, or he can continue to play 35, 36 minutes a game, 37 minutes a game, 
and kind of do this thing where he takes plays off. Um, I just don't think he can be Kawhi Leonard balls to the wall the whole game anymore. It's just, it's not practical. Well, this is his version of, you know, like the Tim Duncan taking a night off, essentially. Right, <laughs> I mean, LeBron that's is what still, I would argue. Le- LeBron is still averaging way too many minutes a game. He, what did he, he had, how many tonight? I, 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 haven't, I didn't look I think, at tonight, but a I couple. Think 30, 37. I mean, a couple days ago, he played 40 minutes. LeBron James should not be playing 40 minutes. Yeah, I the agree. guy has more miles on him than anyone else. I so agree. if he's going to play that much, then he has to take plays off. No question. I yeah. mean, I remember I, a couple of years. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I remember a couple of years ago when Pop gave, um, you know, whatever, Tim Duncan, Danny Green. Yeah, Danny uh, Green. <laughs> sorry. He gave like his top eight guys the day off. Yeah, remember that Thursday yeah. night basketball game? No, it was, game a, it was, was a Sunday afternoon matinee at Miami, national TV. Uh, there was another one, though, where oh, he did that many, on Thursday night, and it was like everyone, and, and they ended up almost beating, I can't remember who they played, and Boris Diaw had like an insane game. But anyway, well, the, game and, I'm and remembering, are, the game I'm remembering, they almost won the game, and the league fined the Spurs like a quarter. That's of the one a I'm thinking, but it was definitely a Thursday night game. No, my friend it was, was a like, Sunday yeah. afternoon game, Matt and Matt, against Miami. Against Miami, yeah. and they fined the Spurs a quarter of a million dollars. Which would they have still fined them that if they had won the game? Because that would have been maybe the funniest thing ever. Right, but my point is, like, if 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 the Spurs are doing that and we're still playing LeBron, or we the Cavs are still playing LeBron you know, 40 minutes a night, how can we not expect him to, you know, need to take a break? I, I, I don't know. Like I, and I guess I would have argued the opposite last year. I had a lot of anxiety. Um, I felt like chill mode LeBron was going to sabotage the team, um, you know, because I had sat through four years of bad habits and it was just like enough with the bad habits. Like the bad habits shouldn't be right. coming from LeBron. And like Corey said, it was like, do as I say, not as I do. And, it now feels a little bit quaint that we did so much hand-wringing because once they got a full roster together and decided to play hard, they were a juggernaut. And so this year LeBron takes plays off and I'm just kind of like, does it really matter? I mean, I know, I know he's not going to do this in the finals, you know? Um, I have another topic that I want to discuss. After the game against the Mavs on Tuesday, the Cavs have three straight national games. Spurs, Rockets, Warriors. That's a tough three-game schedule. Yeah, especially what do you guys think? Spurs, Spurs, Rockets is back-to-back, too. Yeah, it's back-to-back on the road, and then they play the Warriors at home on uh, MLK Day. So, guys, what do you think is going to come from that? Uh, You know, I think we'll learn a lot about them. I mean, they've got a tough stretch coming up. They've got you know, in addition to those teams, they have the Clippers coming up. They have Chicago coming up. Um, yeah, they, this is definitely going to be probably the toughest part of their season. So I think they'll win a few, lose a few. I mean, I, I'd like them to, you know, win at least half of those games. I'd be satisfied. I don't, I don't know. I, well, they play the Nets, so. <laughs> the coachless, GMless Nets. Well, yeah, but you saw what happened when they got so geared up for that Christmas Day game that they didn't show right. up against the Blazers. Oh, my God. That Blazer game might have been the most depressing game I've ever seen in my entire life. So It, it really – that really uh, – let's just pretend like that game didn't even happen. That was the strangest thing. Yeah. 
Um, although the Blazers are beating the Thunder right now, in case you were wondering. So. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a scrappy team, man. What's going on in the West? Why Why is the eighth seed in the West four games under five hundred? <laughs> Just what? Like, when did this happen? When did the the East become this much better than the West? I think they're just getting older. I, I think... That, that doesn't like, explain the Rockets. I mean, Dwight Howard is older and has a bad back. And uh, the Rockets, what explains the Rockets is every move they make is like something out of the Bengals playbook. It's like, oh, this guy gets a... He's got a third DUI this year. His team is basically <laughs> putting him on the yeah. curb. Let's pick him up and win GM of the year. That's a great pick. And everyone yeah. in unison sits around and thinks like, oh, man, now they got Ty Lawson. Oh, my gosh. Imagine adding him to this roster. I don't think Lawson's even starting anymore. He's been so bad. So <laughs> I look up and down on that roster, and you have you have some head cases on that team. You know? I mean. What about the Clippers? Why aren't the Clippers? Well, they're pretty good stuff. The Clippers have I mean, no. They almost the Clippers lost have the Pelicans. The Clippers are doing okay, and they just have no bench. Is the problem? I mean, I guess the better question is when did the Magic, Pacers, and Pistons become better than the bottom of the or the bottom of the the playoff West? I think they're better than the bottom of the not, West. Yeah, I'm not sure they the are. Ja- the Jazz would destroy probably. I think the Pacers are. The Pacers are better. I don't know about Pacers the Magic. Are like the- are Pacers third seed right now? Or am I right? Six. 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 I'm yeah, looking at it. Yeah, the I was Pacers just... have played one of the hardest schedules this year. They're, they're a very good team. I mean, that could be the conference finals. Could be Cavs versus Pacers. I honestly, I'm, I am I know I'm, I'm partial. I've hated the Knicks for so many years. I love watching this Knicks team. I love watching this Knicks team. I don't know why they're so much fun. I mean, Porzingis is amazing. But Melo had like eight assists tonight. Like, when did Carmelo Anthony learn how to assist the ball? That's that's a big question. Well, I feel like Melo, when he's on a good team, is pretty good. When he's on a bad team, is is pretty horrific. I mean, all you need to know is that he made sure to play crunch time minutes in an All Star game, even though he wasn't playing regular season games anymore due to a pending you know, surgery or whatever. So he cared more about the All-Star game than the New York fans. But anyway. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I don't know. We got to wrap it up. So Yeah, we do. I got to go get my laundry. (laughs) So um, tonight's game, since this is supposed to be a recap, Obviously, you're giving the game ball to LeBron, 15-22, nine dimes, seven rebounds, 37 points in 37 minutes. Um, who would you say gets your, you know, gets the second game ball, the the the, 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 Love. Nerf, the Nerf game ball? Kevin Love, 15-15, seven. Yeah, I agree. Hi. But he got, he got... He got stuffed a few times. That was pretty unacceptable. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad he's going up for that one-handed dunk that had very little chance of not getting stuffed. <laughs> he's lucky the defender stuffed it, because if not, the bottom of the rim <laughs> stuffed it. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think he took off a little too far from the hoop. 
But um, he had some nifty plays, though. That that one basket he made, was it late in the fourth where he kind of, like, dribbled past the guy and then the defender was closing and he kind of, like, squirted it in the hoop before the guy could get there? Or was that in the third quarter? Remember that was in the third quarter. I mean, the coolest thing about Love is he doesn't take his two steps every time. That's what I love watching about him. Yeah. I love watching him. You know what? I know what we need to talk about. We're going to end this conversation giving our opinions. I'm, I'm just- Heads up, guys. I'm dropping out of the conversation, so I want to bid all Cavs fans do. I got to go grab my laundry before someone in my building. Oh like, man, we wouldn't want it. We, we wouldn't <laughs> want we wouldn't want your laundry to take a back seat to this podcast, Mallory. Uh, you know I love you guys, and I'm going to be back again soon. Once I fix, I got a new laptop. Trying to figure out how to make the the podcast recording work from from my angle as well. But thank you, Tom, for recording it. You're all welcome, right, guys. My man. Take care. Yeah. Take care. So for you guys, let's end this by what we think about what's going on right now in Philly. Um, Did either of you guys read the Windhorst article that tried to create this analogy between what's happened with Sam Hinkie and now Colangelo and um, the book now filmed The Big Short? Did either of you guys get to read that article? I have not. Okay, so are, are you familiar with The Big Short? Did you read the book by Michael Lewis? Or? No. No. Okay, have you seen the, have you seen have you seen the movie? No. I don't oh think my so. gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, I would recommend the book. I don't I haven't seen the movie. Um I'm sure it's entertaining, but basically the premise was that one of these guys who I believe was um had Asperger's who used to dig through uh, the data. I mean, he was this hardcore, like would read the, the very back of the wall street journal, the pages, no one reads. And he was, I think he was offering like free financial advice on a forum and people that used his advice were like getting filthy rich. So they encouraged him to start up, um, you know, a, a, be, being a financial analyst basically and actually handling people's money and not just doling out, you know, his thoughts in a forum somewhere. I believe this is what happened. And so he started doing this and he made people insanely rich, but people got really impatient with him. And um, it it was kind of a sad story. They didn't really appreciate what he was doing because they were too impatient. So Windhorst kind of brought up the thing with Sam Hinkie that he's had this plan and, you know, he's kind of getting submarined right now he doesn't really have power anymore and already the 76ers have traded away assets for elton brand of all people like they're trying to get better now maybe improve the culture and so i guess i wanted your guys take on do you believe in what sam hinky is or was trying to do and in general are you okay with this concept that we're going to unabashedly do things that we don't think will help us win in the short term in order to try to build some kind of powerhouse down the line versus something like what I think the Hawks have done with under Danny Ferry, where they just sort of uh, reloaded, you know, they, they didn't tank. They got rid of guys like Josh Smith and Joe Johnson without, going into the tank. Um, so what's your personal take? Like, would you rather suck for a few years in hopes that you amass enough draft picks that you'll be really good? Or did you think the whole hinky thing was kind of just 
not well suited for the NBA. I mean, I, I think it's it's not that far away that it could have worked. Like, you know, if they would have gotten Porzingis this year, then, you know, it's not looking that bad. Yeah, and I think they kind of got hosed with – they didn't win the Anthony Davis draft. Um, yeah, like – And then they got three big men, and two of them get hurt. I mean – Embiid's hurt. He's never played a game. Noel's been a huge disappointment. But a part of the Noel looks bad this year with Okafor. Like you put him with someone that can stretch the defense. Who like that's why like Porzingis is so special. Is you can pair him with anybody. Yeah. And I think it could have worked. You know, just if they would have gotten the right guys. You know, the book's still out on Sarek. Like. Yeah, well, oh, and I, I can't I can't get over how Nerlens Noel isn't blocking shots anymore. I mean, that was like the thing, right? He was like the next Matumbo. Um, he was going to be, you know, basically what we see out of Whiteside. He's just going to reject everything, and he's just I mean, he's got a pretty pedestrian one point three blocks per game. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess his per his per, his per minute block ratio is a little better, but. Yeah, pretty pretty underwhelming first round pick. So I guess it does this does this kind of indict the idea that the draft is enough of an exact science that you can build through it? Is it just sort of like you can just get unlucky and so putting all your eggs in the we're gonna accumulate assets to, you know, draft all these guys kind of doesn't work out if the guys you're drafting don't pan out. Is that, is that what we're learning from all this? Yeah, that's, it's like the simplest way to explain it, but it, that's, you know, if you, if you're lucky, like, like guys, teams that have had the ninth pick, like the ninth pick has been like shockingly good over like the last 15 years. And, you know, you know, like Paul George, I want to say went like ninth, you know, like there's just this, this long list Drummond went like eighth or ninth. And maybe that's like that part of the draft where you got, you know, you can start just winging on potential over, you know, fit or whatever, because, you know, the top players are gone, but I, 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 I don't, it, it's not an exact science. There's a lottery. There's, you know, you, you don't know. I mean, we the Cavs took Anthony Bennett. It was a bad yeah. draft, but, yeah. you know. Well, I think it's, part of it is if you're drafted ninth or 10th, you weren't like the worst team in the league. So, yeah, so you're, you're not that little, far away. Yeah, you've got a little bit of a foundation maybe to build on. It's hard to predict the future. My biggest thing that I've brought up a few times that I think really cripples the Sixers is that um, there's so much uncertainty among the players. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd say you're Michael Carter-Williams who win Rookie of the Year, and then you get dealt. I mean, if you're a player in the 76ers, what incentive is there for you to sacrifice your own individual numbers for the team? I mean, because really what you might be doing every time you step on the court is just trying to impress another team's scouts, right? So mm-hmm. why why would you go all like Delavadova, Nick Collison if you just have no idea what your future is? Because you could, you know what I mean? Like that's that's the thing. I don't I don't see the incentive for the players to be selfless on a team with so much, um, 
I guess, uncertainty as far as personnel. I mean, they're not going to keep three centers, right? So should Okafor sacrifice shots? Hell no. He should do what he's doing and be putting up, shooting as many times as he does and not worrying about defense and put up some, uh, put up some big stat lines thinking that I need to get that max contract from someone, you know? So I think, I think that might've led to the Elton brand move to try to be, just be a culture changer, someone that can teach those guys how to go about their business. But Elton brand didn't have anything left in the tank five years ago. So I, a very, very strange move. I, I, I definitely, it'd be interesting to see now what happens to the Sixers, I guess, going forward. I, I think the Sixers, I mean, their their strategy is more based around where they're kind of at in the whole basketball atmosphere. Because, like, I remember listening to some podcasts. They're not getting money from, like, all the kind of, like, the put-in fund or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're too big of a market. So, for them, it doesn't really make sense to suck for no reason. Like they, they legitimately believe that by doing what they're doing, they're going to be a championship contender someday. Cause it, it's boom or bust for them. Unless they're really good. They don't reap any benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like they will never, I, I don't feel like they're going to be good anytime soon because I don't see how those players fit. Um, but it's the NBA. Things change very quickly. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them going forward. So, all right. Time they get for... Ben Simmons, it, it worked. Like, Well, yeah, right. I mean, they had they, – they went to the finals, like, what year was that, 2003? Oh, 01? That was 01. I mean, they're not – they should be beaten down enough where, like, the fans just want a team that makes the playoffs every year. Yeah. But – it's a little bit different makeup than Cavs fans, I guess. Yeah. All right, guys. Time for us to wrap it up. Um, anything at all you want to talk about, take take one minute to talk about it. Go ahead, David. Uh, everyone should get the new Baroness album, which I think is just called Purple. It's really good. Uh, and the new Pusha T album, Darkest Before Dawn, is really good also. All right, there we go. Um, Corey, what do you got for us? Uh, I was thinking earlier that the Cavs, uh, like, slow starts in Philadelphia might be related to Philadelphia is the only city on the East Coast that that has a distributor for Russian River beer. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> so maybe they were all at Monk's Cafe drinking, like, uh, Pliny the Elder last night. I was in Monterey, California. Oh, God. Uh, I was <laughs> I was looking forward to some Pliny the Elder, and no one in Monterey had it. And I even went, I even went to a place that advertised that they had it. And when I walked in, the guy laughed at me. He was like, "Oh yeah, we sell out in like a half hour, and then I don't get another shipment for two weeks." I was so, literally I was literally in like not very far from where it's brewed and I couldn't get it. So that's one of those. Have you, have you, have you had white Raja from uh, brew kettle? No, pretty similar? good. It's uh yeah. From up near Cleveland, top notch. No, I mean, it's not plenty of the elder, but yeah. Well, one of these days I'd like to try plenty the elder because it's I'm, I'm spectacular in my quest. 
Monk's Cafe, Monk's Cafe in Philly. All right. So I just want to say that um, we are very appreciative of all of our listeners and all of our contributors. I consider everyone a contributor that um, comments on our blog. You know, I mean, Corey, we brought you on as a writer because you were such a fantastic contributor for years. Um, yeah. You know, that I mean, really, that was all of us, I think. Other than Robert uh, and maybe Ben, I want. I mean, I know I was a contributor when John – you know, hired me on. I know Nate was a contributor. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, we just have a fantastic community. I spend so much time reading through the comments on Cavs, the blog, and they're very intelligent. They're respectful, but you know, we don't lack a sense of humor. And then like anytime I'm, I'm forced to go out into the larger internet, I realize what a cesspool it is, and so oh, I, I really have a lot of <laughs> I really have a lot of appreciation for our our users. I mean, our community of yeah. readers. I mean, it's really fantastic. So, thank you, everyone, um, for that. It really it really makes this fun that we can post something, whether it's a recap or a podcast or whatever. And there's kind of a nice, fun, engaging back and forth from everyone. So that's my one minute. And with that, we are signing off. Um, getting ready for the stretch of tough games coming up. Cavs look like they're they're primed to put the league on notice. And um, with that, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. And now for a little Cavs the blog, the podcast, behind the scenes. Seriously, if you guys just absolutely hate this, sound off in the comment section. We'll never post this as part of a podcast again. I'm here. I'm here. All right, who's who did I just hear? Was that Corey? That's Corey, yeah. Corey, what's going on, man? What's up? What's going on? I thought I thought about using like a Dusty Rhodes voice or something. Oh man, not <laughs> yeah, actually. No, no, not, no one not would a, know. Not at all what I expected, to be honest. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I love when I, um, you know, don't ever see a person in real life or talk to a person in real life, but I know them for a long time. Yeah. And then that first, uh-huh. like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought about just, uh, evil, what's genius, up, baby? evil genius, um, hit me up on LinkedIn. And when I saw, uh-huh. his, when I saw his picture, it was just jarring. It was nothing at all. Like I expected. I, for some reason, I thought Evil Genius was like six six and like gigantic. He looks like a like one of those like triathlete guys. Like yeah. he's, you know, he's got the shaved head and he's got like the the uh, like, strong jawbone. He just yeah, you know, he looks like he's the kind of guy that you know runs a lot or something. Like tough mutter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Joey Porter, the assistant coach of the Steelers, runs out onto the field, runs into the middle of a little. Uh, defensive huddle of the Bengals starts talking crap to which I guess Pac-Man Jones went over to a ref and like grabbed a ref or something and said like, Hey, get this guy out of here. And the ref throws an unsportsmanlike flag on Jones. So then the, so then the Steelers got a chip shot to win the game. Basically uh, based on two 15 yard penalties on the same play. It was, it was unbelievable. I, I've, yeah, so I mean, the, what, I, I've seen that from the Browns in regular season games. I, I mean, but to feel that in a playoff game, I, that was just amazing. 
What, what is targeting in the NFL? I've never even seen that call. Well, it's like he's a defenseless receiver. Oh, the, the throw, the, the throw. Yeah, it was over the middle. The throw went over his head, and as he came down, Burfick like shoved his his shoulder into the guy. All right, Mallory is now spamming about how he wants to come in a half hour late as usual. I just watched that that Gio, uh, the hit on Bernard. That is brutal. Yeah, they didn't even flag that, which I, I mean, don't understand I don't because that's illegal. You're not allowed to lead with the crown of your head like that. But I mean, what do I know? Oh, dude, that's like brain damage right there. Yeah. Ugh. Not want to hang out with him for a couple days. All right, I need to add add people to the call. Mallory, add the call. Did you guys see the the um, missed field goal by the Vikings kicker? Mm-hmm. Blair Walsh, yeah. Oh, that that's got to suck for that dude. He is definitely going to be ripped on. There's like, people are going to just spit in his food. Like he's going to go to Denny's and order like a moons over my hammy, and the the waitress <laughs> is literally just going to open it up and just spit on it. Like <laughs> moons over my hammy. I have not had Denny's in a long time. It's Dude, like a mancation thing. Yeah. Unlimited pancakes for five bucks. You can't beat that. I used to get that when I was a kid. There was a Denny's on Day Drive in Parma. We used to go to a lot. Wait, did you live in Parma? I sure did. That's where I grew up. Where'd you live? What street you live at? I lived on Greenbrier Drive, just down the street from Valley Forge High School in Tri C West. Oh man, dude, I lived at Denison and Pearl. No way. And I went to Valley Forge. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, I used to play baseball in those fields back there growing up all the time. Did you go to Forge? No, I went to Padua. But I would just walk oh. I would just walk to Valley Forge and play baseball. And that's where Parma Parma Heights Rec played on Valley Forge fields too. I don't know. I that's mean I'm in, I'm inviting Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. And we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.